Hey, welcome to episode nine of season seven of the Simplify and Multiply show. And today I'm going to have a great conversation with Neen James. Now, Neen is a very accomplished speaker, coach, trainer, and author. She's written nine books, and she has done a brilliant job in leveraging her intellectual property through books and publishing. And she talks a lot about how she uh, uses her books in her business, as well as uh, some good information around publishing and editors, as well as how to discover your intellectual property and use it to create your own thought leadership. So let's go ahead and listen to Neen James. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. Hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. Hey, Neen. It's so good to have you here. Yay. Oh, we're going to talk about books today. How are you doing? I'm good. G'day to all your fabulous listeners. It is so exciting to me that you have this amazing community of solopreneurs who we all know kind of rule the world. So I think this is going to be very fun today. Yes. And more and more people are going the solo route. And it's it's so exciting to see. You know, they're taking side hustles and they're just going like crazy. And it's amazing. Uh, side hustle is the new business, right? It's the, <laughs> it's, it's the new career. Yeah, I was talking to Andy Lyons and she goes, I'm fully unemployable. We <laughs> <laughs> that, that like a badge of honor. So many solopreneurs are like, nobody would hire me. So that's the beautiful thing is you just need to be able to create an income and a lifestyle that works for you. Yes, absolutely. And I love your enthusiasm about that because you're right up there with me on the meter. So in this particular discussion, I, I want to talk about the work you've done as far as what you've done to build your business and also how books have played a really important role in what you're doing, not only from the stage, but in your coaching and training that you do as well. So why don't you just kick us off so my listener has a better idea as far as your world, kind of like where you came from. Talk about your business and how you arrived at, you know, using uh, your writing and creating these uh, these books that you've done, um, you know, to really help build your business. I grew up in corporate business in Australia. I worked in retail banking, telecommunications, and the oil industry. And at the time, there was not a lot of chicks in oil. But as an attention expert, I'm obsessed with getting people to pay attention. And what I realized was when we pay attention, companies make more money, our relationships are deeper, and we take care of the planet on which we live. I'm so obsessed with this topic, I wrote nine books on it. Nice. And what I've I've had the privilege of working with all kinds of clients, whether it is uh, Comcast, Viacom, even the FBI, uh, Johnson and Johnson Associations, and I'm kind of like the Energizer Bunny for their meeting. But my batteries don't run out. But what's unique about me is I'm the oldest of five. I sound like I'm five. I am Australian, so I have a global perspective. But I'm also an American citizen, so I have a local perspective as well. 
And these books are a fantastic creative outlet for me to be able to build my business. And I know we're going to get into that today. Clients often say to me, Terry, things like, uh, there's never enough hours in the day, or there's so much to do, I don't know what to focus on first, or my executive team's just not on the same page. And I fix that because what I've been able to do is often go in as a keynote speaker. More recently, that's become virtual. Or work with the executive team and build their strategic plan, maybe keynote their conference, maybe do some training programs with their leaders. But books have been something they can all take with them. Mm-hmm. And so when you create a book to showcase your expertise, it could be as a giveaway from a speech. It could be uh, pre-sold to be able to support something that you're building. It could be the audio book for people who prefer that mode of learning. So I would love to explore all those different revenues with you. The reason I do what I do, Terry, is I just want the world to pay attention. Because when people pay attention, they create more significant moments that matter. The book Attention Pays, the premise of that book is that it's intention that makes attention valuable. And when we really look at attention personally, professionally, and globally, that's how we make a greater impact on the planet. And so being an author, look, I don't like writing books. Let me be very transparent about that. (laughs) I don't enjoy writing. It's always a painful process. Uh, Folding Time, one of the books that I have published, which we can make available to all of your listeners. I'm happy to give that for free. I'll make sure I get somehow get your PDF for that. I wrote that in a weekend, but the reason that I could write it in a weekend is because I built a framework of capturing content Mm -hmm. that made it very easy to curate my expertise. Gotcha. So I think books can, I've always thought of a book as an expensive business card. My publisher would be horrified if I said that, but (laughs) I've always, I've self-published, I've done traditional publishing, I've done eBooks. So I've done all the different modalities of publishing as well. And I think depending on where you are in your career determines what kind of book you write, how you decide to publish that in the world. My next book, I have a contract right now for three books with a publishing company. I haven't written any of them just at the time of recording, Um, but that's a hybrid publisher. And so that's another new model. And uh, I think it's probably one of the best models I've seen because publishing is a fairly archaic model, Terry. So for the solopreneur, you've really got to get behind why are you doing this book? Is it an ego vanity metric that says I have a book with my name on it? And by the way, that's amazing and cool. And it's a great giveaway for your mom at Christmas. Um, But there are definitely commercial reasons which we can get into about why books have been an instrumental part of my strategy to develop my thought leadership. So, and yes, I do want to cover that. Explain what a hybrid publisher is. Hybrids, it's such a cool model. And before I published Attention Pays, which is my latest book, that's published by Wiley, um, I knew I kind of wanted to share this expertise, but I wasn't sure how. And I didn't want to self-publish again. And you can self-publish, which is great. Really quick to market. You fund everything. You do the marketing. You control the entire process, which is awesome, right? But most self-published books are crap. They look awful, they're not well edited, they're not beautifully laid out. Now that times have changed, but Folding Time was a self-published book, but I spent a bazillion dollars on an editor and graphic designer. So hybrid publishers have come up through the market. And so I went out and did my due diligence on about half a dozen of them. And a hybrid publisher is someone who works with you to get a book to market, but you retain the intellectual property rights. 
So when you go with a traditional publisher, you sign over those intellectual property rights. So they own the content, which a lot of people I don't think realize. Now, my contract's slightly different with my publisher. Um, but what I've done, what I love about hybrid is they can do everything for you. Page Two, I think, is one of the best hybrid publishers that is on the planet right now, owned by two incredibly accomplished women who are very creative in the way they approach every aspect of it. So they will help you with strategic editing, with book development outline, with all of the components of books, including layout, distribution, international translations. Like they'll do it all for you. But they also have this beautiful a la carte menu so you could choose what you want. So as a solopreneur, you might decide you're a brilliant writer and your mum might be a great editor, but you're looking for someone who can do the design and marketing for you. So you want to think through What's your skill set? I don't enjoy writing as we've established, but I know it's vital if you want to elevate your intellectual property through thought leadership. So writing has to become part of my model. It just, it's something that needed to happen. Mm -hmm. So hybrid publishing, I think, is a genius way where you're funding it. So it's not inexpensive, by the way, but Page Two is, I think, one of the best companies I've ever seen out there in the way that they do it and the way they partner with their authors. And some of my dearest friends who have had phenomenal success with their books have been published through Page Two. That's awesome. Uh, thank you for explaining that because uh, I'm in the process of drafting my sixth book, se seventh book. <laughs> I lost count. And um you know, having a resource like that is absolutely incredible. Now, I've got the luxury of being able to design and lay out and do all that because that's what I do. <laughs> right. But uh, I know a lot of my clients and and solopreneurs who listen to this uh, podcast uh, would be really interested in exploring that a little bit more. So we'll make sure that we include links to that resource on the show notes page. So thanks for expanding on that. So. I don't really want to get too much into like how to do the writing and lay it out and all that stuff. What I'm more interested in with you, Neen, is to really understand your thought process around leveraging your book uh, to help build your business and how you use your books and what your thinking was. And you can pick one particular book, like if you're you want to do your um, most recent one, we can use that as an example to just help my listener understand how they need to think about their book as it relates to their business, how they can use it to maybe create new products or services that they could provide, um, how they can use it as, you know, not just a, hey, I'm going to write this book and sit back and let the money roll in because that's just not reality-based. <laughs> yeah. Unless you write Fifty Shades of Purple or you're the next Harry Potter, there is, there's not money in books, just so we're yeah. clear. Even traditionally published, you get like, let's say a dollar a book. So let's be really clear. You're not going to make your millions with a book, but what you are going to do is to cement your place with your thought leadership. You're going to differentiate yourself from your potential competitors in the same space. You're going to elevate your brand if it's a beautiful product. And you're going to give your clients or your audiences 
an opportunity to take you home with them. And that is one of the things you've got to think about. Folding Time was one of the books that I'm giving to everyone today. Uh, I, I lost count of how many print runs we did of that book. And it was designed for people who don't have time to read because it's a book about productivity. And because I was doing so many keynotes called Folding Time and I was doing corporate workshops on Folding Time, it was the perfect giveaway for clients to buy in bulk to give every audience member or every person in the corporate training program. And so that was a very easy to read book and very practical. I still have people who use it in their team meetings as a resource, right? So it's great. And it, it has lived on. And the that was very specific to position because I don't believe in time management. And as a productivity speaker, I was always saying this from stage, but I put it in a book and I would say, this is why time management doesn't work. And this is why you have to fold time and you have to really focus. And that, that's where I started to see the idea that it wasn't about managing time. It was about managing your attention. So folding time was the first in elevating that part of my thought leadership. The way that I commercialized that was that, say, for example, I would do a speech and the client may not have my full fee, right, of what I was charging at the time. And then I might say to them, hey, what if I gave you 100 copies of the book to give to everyone and they could take that money to fund the extra bit of the speech that was maybe missing in the gap uh, from the learning and development budget or the product budget or something like that. So you can mm -hmm. get creative in the way that you negotiate by having this bonus offer. I also believe that, for example, in my practice where I'm a professional keynote speaker, they might be considering five speakers, but if my book can be FedEx to the decision committee the next day for their meeting, personally autographed to every member on the committee, and they're sitting there with my book while deciding amongst those five speakers, it's a tangible way to sell the invisible. There's a really great old book called Selling the Invisible by Harry Beckwith. And he talks about taking your intellectual property, your expertise and making it tangible. A book does that for you. Yeah. So I've used it, Folding Time, for example, I've used it, I've FedExed it to decision makers. I've given it as a holiday gift. Uh, obviously everyone in my family has a copy of it, whether they wanted to read it or not. I still give it away, but now because it's so many years old, I've had it converted to a PDF so I can give it for free to people like your listeners. Now, Attention Pays was a very deliberate strategy because as I had elevated my branding, I had moved into owning that whole idea of being a thought leader in attention. Folding time is very much about productivity, and I believe attention is the evolution of productivity. So when we can direct our attention, we can do anything. And so that's what the book does. And that was the reason we went with a traditional publisher versus a hybrid publisher or self-publishing is because of distribution and because it just elevates that piece of my intellectual property even more. And the publishing company reached out to me. I hadn't actually had any desire to go traditional just for the record, but they were very generous in uh, their offer and the process that we went through. And my concern with working with a traditional publisher historically was always they took so long to get to market. It used mm, to be on average, yeah. traditional publishers took 18 months to market, but right. the publisher I worked with, with Wiley, they, from the moment I handed manuscript in, to the moment it hit the bookshelves was less than five months. And so That's what incredible. I negotiated with them exactly was when they had approached me about it, I said, I'll only do this if it's a spring release under these conditions and they were fantastic. And so I think what we've got to consider is what do you want the book to do for you? In my situation, it elevated my intellectual property. 
It helped position me as the thought leader in that area. It helps differentiate me from my competitors. It's a lovely premium giveaway. It's an easy business development strategy. And it's a legitimate reason to get in front of people. I could send CEOs who I'd never worked with a copy of my book because attention is such a hot topic. And I'd say these particular sections are really relevant for you, thought you might enjoy it and have been hired accordingly. You can use case studies in your book to promote clients you work with or clients you'd want to work with. Um, so there's lots of different ways you can use books for commercial reasons. I still think they're a very expensive business card. Uh, but if you write, if you work with the right strategic editor, that's where I think the money needs to be spent is with a really great strategic editor. They can help you position your expertise. When I first started working with my editor for Attention Pays, she said to me, Neen, this is not thought leadership. This is very average. No, this is nothing different. And I was, I was, asked my husband, a mess. I got off the I phone from too. her and I was like, oh my God, she hates it. She thinks it's rubbish. You know, and Andy was like, just find a new editor. And I was like, no, she's right. <laughs> and it, I hated her and I loved her, but it was so valuable because we're so close to our own ideas. We create in isolation. And at the time of recording, most people are isolated. And so one thing just to consider is if you're going to embark on a book, don't put something average in the market. Most people, when they publish their first book and it's self-published, it's really average. Don't do yeah. that. Like yeah. invest in a great editor and beautiful design so it elevates your brand. Terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment. Whether you want to write a book to help build your business or it's simply a passion project, writing is a powerful form of creative self-expression. If your ideas will transform the lives of others, what are you waiting for? Let it pour out of you. A writer's journey is just that, a journey. Be honest, be real, and most importantly, be yourself. But if you're struggling to get it done, confused about how to tie it into your business, or dealing with a chronic creative block, get the guidance to get it done. If you want the creative fuel, the nurturing, and the challenge to make your book the best it can be, Pappy Club is the place for you. Join Pappy Club and discover how you can express your perspectives through something that strengthens your brand, your business, and supports the lifestyle you want. Try it for free by visiting pappyclub.com, and that's P-A-P-P-Y-C-L-U-B.com to sign up now, and I'll see you there. Yeah, I like that, and I really can't emphasize more how important the right editor is. Uh, someone who knows you can get to know your personality and what you're really up to. That's important to me. Uh, you know, and, and when I work with people, it's like I want them to get my intention and what I'm really up to. It's not just I'm not just here to put words on a page. Um, and the other thing is they can really in getting to know you, I think they can really draw out some amazing content that you might have overlooked yeah. or, yeah, just didn't see. And I think that, that that is really the best type of editor. And they know the market, too. So when you're with a, a publisher like Wiley, who's all about business books and how-tos and the practical nonfiction stuff, I mean, they're, I've got several clients that have published with Wiley. And there, I've heard nothing but great things about working with them. And so having the right editor, though, is, is really key. So I hired my own editor. So I worked, I paid, 
a significant sum of money to an external editor. I didn't use the existing editors because- How did you find your editor? Uh, well, she had edited two of my friend's books who I thought were brilliant. I'd read their books. I loved them as humans. They were very successful speakers in their own right. So I reached out to her and said, you've edited Stacey's and Simon's books and I love them. Would you work with me? And she said, no. She was like, absolutely not. She said, I have no capacity. I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do another project. And I was like, I know, but would you just look at the outline? And she was like, no. And I was like, but what if you just looked at the outline and I paid you blah, blah, blah. And so she, I must have worn her down, poor thing. And then she it agreed to like look it. at the outline. And uh, if, you know, you know me, if they say no, then you just keep asking. Um, and so eventually when she looked at the outline, she really did get behind the project. And then she did finally agree to do the editing. And she worked phenomenally hard and was a brilliant editor in a short period of time. What did it? What what made her change her mind? I think she really appreciated a couple of things. One, the perspective that I had was unique. It was a very timely topic. It was a project she thought was important in the world. And uh, she was tough. Terry, it was not fun. Let me tell you, when I say I don't like book writing, I hate editing even <laughs> more than I like writing. I like so, but I do think that sometimes when you do things, having that fresh perspective, someone who's current and relevant, and she had she had worked with all the major houses, she knew exactly what resonated. And here's what's fascinating, Terry. When I sent the manuscript to my publisher, I did not have one single request for a change, not a comma, an explanation point, a word. There was not one request. And I remember saying to my the acquisition editor, I was like, did you even read the manuscript? And she's like, yeah, we loved it. We all loved it. There's no changes. Like, not a change. That's wow. the value of a strategic editor. I've never, and that, that's what you pay for, right? Someone who right. is so genius at what they do, which is what she is, very genius at what that's, she does. That's a wonderful testimonial for her. And I'm glad that you found someone that you that could help you grow as a writer. Oh, uh, yeah. If she'd ever do a project with me again, which she might decline. Um, <laughs> she, uh, but what I've loved, Amanda is the editor I've been working with at page two, and I love her approach. She's very smart in the way that she guides me to come to what I think is my own decision. Um, but it's because of her brilliance and the way that she's so um, she's very good with words and language. That's her business. And so I think once you find someone you deal with, that's a really important part of the book writing process. That's awesome. That I love that. And, it, you know, you're not the first person that's shared a great story about getting a good editor. And the way they got it was they went to a someone else who had a great book and who was discriminating that they respected. And they said, who edited your work? And they that's where they went. Um, and I, I think that's true. I mean, just going to Google book editors, not, not the best thing to do. <laughs> Oh, honey, you know, what's that saying? If you pay peanuts, you get monkeys or whatever. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, I think you just got to think through, is it going to elevate your brand? Once again, what's it for? If yeah. you just want a um, really pretty handout as a takeaway, do an ebook, do a digital format that can be distributed en masse. Don't go to the expense of creating a tangible product. 
Now, one of the best book launches I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, this is a big call, I know, and I have received a bazillion books from speakers and authors over the years because they always want me to like blurb their book or endorse it or write it, and which I'm delighted to. I'm always honored when someone asks me to do that. The best launch I've ever seen in my entire life is by a guy called Brant Manzois, and he has released a book called Black Sheep. This book launch is off the charts. The premium that he sent, now this is where I think solopreneurs can really understand from a branding point of view. The premium packaging was a custom box, custom tissue paper. It was a custom mug, t-shirt, scarf, book, stamp, coffee. He has partnered with brands to create custom merchandise and he hasn't necessarily funded all these things. He's very cleverly being able to leverage his relationships and clientele and help promote them as well and created the most beautiful gift box I've ever received to launch a book. Now, all of us who love and adore him, and by the way, the book is genius. It is a very clever concept and a phenomenal book. And the reason I share him as an example is because you don't necessarily have to fund this whole thing yourself. You could get creative with what are some of the add-ons to your expertise? Who are the people you could partner with? What are some ways you could showcase that expertise? I was on a podcast this week, which was a game show. And the game show is sponsored by a customer service experience product. The whole podcast is about customer service, but the delivery is a game show. That's genius. So don't necessarily think of just a book, but think about what authorship of your expertise means. That could be an online book that they read, a digital book, an online course, you know, those kind of things. So think through, once you create the content, it has multiple modalities. Once you develop the idea for a book, you might have an online course or you might have some social media posts or you might have a training program or you might have a consulting contract. You might have a coaching set of questionnaires. You might even have a keynote speech, who knows? Mm -hmm. But think through, because you have so many speakers that work with you, Terry, All of those speeches they do, imagine if they just had them transcribed and they had someone edit that, they might have the foundation of a book right there already. Yeah, absolutely. Take that keynote and turn it into something with that's deeper than 60 minutes (laughs) or whatever their time slot is. Um, So just as a last question to kind of wrap this up, and it could be a big question, so break it down however you're most comfortable When we look at the concept or the idea that is the inception of why we're writing a book, I mean, it's one thing to look at the business aspects of it, and it's another to actually be able to extract what it is a solopreneur does or any any person in the world, what they believe in, what their approach is, how they do things, because we're so myopic. We we don't have objectivity on our own stuff. We just kind of do it because it's just how we are and what we know and everything. But what is the magic behind extracting that to create something like an asset of a book or whatever? I mean, honestly, it could be any product where they can write about it in such a way where it does position them as a thought leader. There's a couple of ways I'd love to answer this and a few resources I'd love to point your listeners to. I grew up under the mentorship of Matt Church and he became my business partner, a dear friend, and I became a partner in what's called Thought Leaders Global, which is a Thought Leaders Business School. And 
one thing that I always learned from him was that you take your expertise and you leverage it. You leverage it in multiple ways, whether it's a speaker, author, trainer, facilitator, mentor, or a coach. But you have to start with capturing your intellectual property. And an easy capture is a book. So if you can start to capture your intellectual property in different ways, you can start to even test some of the content out. Publish a blog, get a podcast, start posting on LinkedIn, see how people resonate with it on social media, start sharing it with your existing clients, write a newsletter, start to see what feedback you get on your ideas. So you can start testing your thought leadership very, very easily for no cost. Then start to see what are people asking you about? I always believe that the questions that your audience ask you about give you insights into what's missing or the problems that they're facing that maybe you have a solution for. You just haven't thought about it. We're also so close to our own intellectual property that we don't always value it. And sometimes it takes someone else to position it. I have this product called Idea Shaping. And Idea Shaping is where I work with thought leaders to be able to help them build a contextual model to showcase their intellectual property. I believe if you can help people see your idea, they will hear your idea. I want that. (laughs) your idea then they will share your idea and so idea shaping is i do it in a 90 minute zoom call it's recorded i can i always guarantee people by the end of that 90 minutes you'll have not only a contextual model to show the world what you do but you'll have a positioning script called the attention matrix which will help you sell what you do so this 90 minutes you'll be able to help people see what you do and you'll be able to sell what you do we are often great at what we do it just sometimes gets hard for solopreneurs to sell what we do. And so we know it's great. And we think, well, if I just do a good job, someone will hear about it or someone will know. That's great. And God bless you if that's how it happens for you. But for the most of us, we need to be very active at selling. I heard someone say when I first became a speaker, if you don't like selling, then don't be in the industry because you can be brilliant on stage. But if you can't sell a speech then it's going to be a little more challenging. So if solopreneurs can invest in a few things, they can invest in getting really clear in their expertise. A very simple exercise you can do is grab a pad of paper, maybe two pads of paper, and think about an idea in the world, right? So on the top of one pad of paper, you might write yes and. And on the other pad of paper, you might write yes but. And what you then do is you start to look at who are the thought leaders in the area that you are known for. So in my case for productivity years ago, it would have been David Allen, Getting Things Done, Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Workweek. Like there's a couple of books like that, right? So maybe I would do an audit and I'd say, well, Tim Ferriss says in The 4-Hour Workweek, you can do, you can literally work for us and you can do email in one hour a week. And I'd say, yes, but that's stupid because that's never going to be a reality because most of us have people that rely on us. So yes, but that's a, that's not practical. But what I like about what he's saying is that we need to think in blocks of time. Yes. And what I'd add is if they were really focused on a applying their attention to the most important emails, then they could have a return. So you take an idea or a thought that's out there in the world and you say, well, how could I add value to that idea? Or what do I disagree with that idea? And you start to see where your thought leadership is different. It's a really simple exercise. Yeah, I like that. That will allow you to go, well, am I really different? Like my editor said, there is nothing new about what you're telling me. So she forced me to go deeper and tell her stuff I was already telling my clients. I just didn't realize it was valuable. It's what (laughs) you and I were talking about before, right? So 
just think through as a solopreneur, there's something, I believe thought leadership is something you've been learning your whole life. Mm. And Malcolm Gladwell, not his original idea, but Malcolm Gladwell in his book, The Tipping Point says that we get 10,000 hours in something, right? Which is based on research. I'm sure people can Google For that. mastery, yeah. Correct. And we all have 10,000 hours in something. We've been learning the same lesson over and over. I speak about attention. Does it mean I'm the best person at paying attention? No, but I've been studying this my whole life. So maybe I have a few more hours in it than someone Mm -hmm. else. Do I still get distracted? Yes. Do I still spend more time on social media than necessary? Yes, 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 yes. But do I know how to pay attention and teach others? Yes. So think about your thought leadership as a solopreneur and think about how would the world benefit from hearing from it? Maybe a book is the way to do it. And then think about just drip feeding it in the world, blogs, articles, podcasts, be a podcast guest like I am today. Start sharing these ideas, create sound bites, create memorable phrases and start to get known for certain things. One of my most famous lines in my speech, one of my signature stories, the, the, the punchline is listen with your eyes. Mm. So that is obviously all about attention. So people say, well, what do you do? I say, well, I help people listen with their eyes. And then they're like, oh, tell me more about that. That's also a key component of the book. So when you start to see the stories you tell around the dinner table with your clients, the coaching conversations you have, all these different opportunities, test your intellectual property constantly. And when things start to resonate, just write it down. And that's how you start a book. I love it. That's... (laughs) Goodness gracious, Neen. That's incredible. What a gift you are. I really appreciate it. We could go on and on. And uh, I'm definitely going to take advantage of some of these resources that you've uh, shared today. And I'll have more on the show notes page for my listener. But I'm very uh, appreciative of your time today and your expertise. You've been very generous. So thank you for being here. It was a privilege. Thanks for inviting me to serve. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.